0: Living Archives. Declan Cahill moved to Dublin in the late 1960s from Cork. He tells us what brought him to Dublin.
1: My knowledge of Dublin was very limited, very, very limited. So uh, I made a decision, funnily enough. Uh, I had qualified um, from college and I decided that I needed a change. And I found Cork at that stage to be very parochial. And I found it constricting. And that's not a criticism of the place. I mean, you know, I loved it, obviously, but I just felt that I needed to do something, you know. So I applied for a job in Dublin, um, got it, in a place called the Institute for Industrial Research and Standards. When I joined, I joined a department called the Forest Products Department, which was timber-based. So we worked... uh, Primarily I worked in research. My my work was mainly got to do with how to protect Irish timber with preservatives for ground contact and so on. But Dublin was a very different place to Cork. Um, the size number one. It was more cosmopolitan, I suppose. Um, it had a lot more nationalities and different influences. Yeah, I moved into Diggs in Glasnevin. Um, the organisation I joined had a, a number of people who provided accommodation. So I stayed in Diggs uh, after, um it's now called glasgow Avenue North Ballyone Avenue it was in those days uh, in Diggs uh, Mrs Faye got me good to her and I stayed there for about a year Um, very happy Um, she looked after me very well uh, it was a big change for me because I never lived away from home I suppose the fact that I was into scouts and I was a leader and you know we camped and we, I was away quite a bit uh, as, a, as a boy in a scout a leader young leader and so on so being away from the home wasn't a, a, such a big wrench but uh I suppose from a society point of view, it was
0: quite different. Declan tells us what has changed between then and now. Well, the
1: one thing you'll see a difference, I think, that I've noticed is that there are not a lot more trees planted in the city. Um, even in my own area, I live in Riverside and, uh, you know, the, the answer was, oh, you, you can't plant trees because of services but we discovered that there's a whole lot of areas that you could plant trees. And there was a big change in policy in terms of greening the city. You know, there marvellous parks, and there still are wonderful parks. But that's one thing I noticed. There's a lot more, um, what did I call it, urban urban forestry, There's a, a sort of expression that was used in, in those days. Um, the other thing, I suppose, was um, it was, I suppose, less judgmental. Uh, I think that, you know, Cork, as I said, was very parochial. It was The city was, it was a small city. And the social mores or the social constrictors were, were actually quite tight, you know. And people would talk about people and, oh, you can't do that or that wouldn't be right, you know. I found that very difficult. The other thing, I suppose, that you uh, mentioned things in the past was uh, this thing of called, called good manners. Uh, I was reared, my father in particular, had this thing about good manners, um... And it's something which is declining, I think, in society today. It's it's OK, some some manners and some sort of behaviour is a bit over the top, you know, but for example, he always taught me that if you're with a woman, you would always walk on the roadside of the, of the pavement because it comes from the old days apparently where when the roads were unpaved if there there was a splash the gentleman would take the splash instead of the woman you know from the carriage or something and that's where I think it comes from and I had a big row with a woman a young woman one time because I held the door open for her and she was she said I can open the door myself and we had this big row and I said well you're misinterpreting she was saying that you know, I was putting her down as a woman. You know, and it was quite quite the opposite. You know, that that's where I was raised. You know, so you can get the the clashes of changes in society. You know, the other thing that uh, there was a lot of snobbery in Cork, but when I came to Dublin, I thought the snobbery was much greater. Um, for example, I could not get over when I came to Dublin the north south divide. In fact, it was more it was stronger then I think than now. Um. And I was I found that amazing that people would um, would pigeonhole you, but yeah, me I, I was I became involved in amateur drama through uh, Chemistry College of Technology, and I met a number of people there from you know ov- obviously from different parts of the country, but different parts of the city, and people would sort of almost look at you askance when they would learn that you lived on the north side, and I found that quite because I used, I used to get great fun out of it, you know, sending them up and. The laugh about it is that many of them didn't didn't, didn't even realise they were being mocked. Well, I lived in the suburbs. I suppose you know in Digs, and I moved then. I moved in with a work colleague into a house, small house, in Ferguson Road in Drumcondra, so they were inner suburbs. I suppose. Actually, very this guy was very interesting because I, was, I mentioned to you earlier that he was a genuine Kiltie. He came from Kilchima County Mayo. But he was he re- he left he emigrated when they were twelve, so he was reared and educated in England, and he was he was very very British. So the two of us in the house were we were known as the odd couple, you know that television program, because we were utterly different in manner and personality and behaviour and so on. But a uh, great guy. I remember the Dublin bombings in 1974, and I I was in a shop getting bread or something. And I heard this crump, you know, this, this very loud noise. Because, I mean, as the crow flies in from Drumcondra to um, Parnell Street or Parnell, Squ- Parnell Square, that, that area, is relatively near. And at the time, there was a lot of bombings, obviously, in the north and so on. And this it, it, it reminded me as if a lorry had unloaded a load of bricks. You know, that sort of a, a sound. And I remember a woman got very upset in the shop. And I was convinced it was a local area. And I said, no, no, it's okay. it's all right. That's just, oh, that's a bomb. not as hot as I, you know, thinking of us and genuinely. And I went home and we put on the, the, the radio and the news was coming through. And I cried, I remember. I said, my God, you know, are we reduced to this? Because you know, just 80 miles away in Belfast, this was happening on a daily basis, but we were insulated, I think, from, from, from that. Um, and I, I worked with a girl who was, who was blown through the window the, the of the shop window in parallel street um no she didn't her eardrum was shattered or was broken but the glass had blown in so she was blown in afterwards so she wasn't put through the glass but she had psychological um uh, difficulties you know you just imagine because she ended up with people killed and so on so that's a very striking uh, memory a uh, very sad one and it's it's still i can still hear the sound I moved out then to Riverside, which is just up the road here in Coolock. It, 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 the house was built in Artane. Then it became, sorry, Santry, Then it became uh, Artane. Then it became Coolock. Then it became Clanshock. So we're right on the cusp. Clanshock Road in those days was the border between Dublin City Council, or du- Dublin Corporation at the time, and Dublin County Council where the old uh, atlantic uh, shopping centre or the shopping outlet was, that was, a rid- that was in the county area and across the road was city. So there was always a row about who's supposed to do what, you know. So it was all got to do with postal codes and because it was on the cusp of borders, it changed a bit, you know, land would change and so on and postal zones and all that sort of stuff that uh, never bothered me, but I mean, some people got a bit upset about all the, you know, the numbers and changes and so on. Um But... You know, um, as I said, we moved in, we got married in January 1976. I moved in in September, the year before we got married. So I lived in the house on my own uh, for a while. Um, Heating, there's a huge, I mean, central heating was virtually unknown. So everybody used uh, open fires. The houses are not insulated. So uh, I hold a huge... Gripe against government at the time because uh, they were heavily influenced by the construction industry. And from my own technical background, it was an absolute uh, sin not to insulate houses because the thinking was that fuel is cheap, so why bother? You know, it's lunacy sort of stuff, you know. But anyway, um, that's number one. Number two, that um, people didn't have very much money. Compared to today, there was poverty. Relative poverty, but I think there was a great sameness in society. There was, you know, whereas today you have a large proportion of very rich people, that was evident in those days, but not to the same extent. And how I'd describe that would be is when we started off at Riverside Drama Circle in October 1972, and when we would put on a play, couples would go to that play as a night out it might cost two pounds or whatever you know and go for a drink afterwards that was a night out for their month or two months maybe so uh, the pressures of mortgages and living were as difficult then as of now the houses when they were bought first were cost three and a half thousand pounds that gives you an idea say the late 60s you know but it was a fortune I mean wages were relatively, it's, in proportion it was very very difficult Um there were very few cars um, somebody, I heard a sociologist making the point that for people say of my age I'm in my mid-60s now he said look back when you got married first and remember looking out your door at 8 o'clock at night and look out your door now you could count the number of cars on the road and now they're jockeying for parking positions in the state like Riverside I go back to the time I think the seventy eight election when House rates were, were, were done away with and I think that was the first major change in Irish society where people suddenly, you know, instead of paying a couple of hundred euros a year, you had, you had this money and people went mad, they drank it and they imported goods and inflation increased and it was an absolute disaster decision and local authorities were starving of money. Because central government certainly did, give you know, they put up that or something and there was supposed to be more money coming back, but it didn't work that way. And That's where there was a major, major problem uh, took place, you know, uh, in my view anyway. Uh, but maybe I'm not best qualified to comment on that. When I moved into Riverside first, uh, my wife made a decision that she, uh, employment was, unemployment was very high. And she made a decision that she would not go looking for work. She wouldn't sign on, for, I think. I don't know why, you know, that was her decision, because she felt that we would live on one wage. But at that time, it was very, very common for mothers not to work outside the home. Now, we didn't have a family then, but it was very, very common. So women on the ground, so to speak, the 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 wives and housewives played a huge part in society at that stage. There were very strong women's clubs uh, not as strong today you know and they, they've they provided a huge support mechanism to each other uh, there was Professor Ivor Brown he was the Eastern Health Board Chief Psychiatrist maintained that there was more counselling done in people's kitchens over a cup of tea in those days than in any doctor's surgery and it's, it's a very telling point because that does not exist today because of the pressures of society both parts you know, of a couple have to work outside the home to pay for a mortgage. The other thing that in those days is that there were very few facilities in terms of residence, like um, uh, gyms or things like that. People didn't even know what a gym was, you know. So there was very little of that nature. There was sports, all right. There was GA, soccer and so on. Very, very basic, though. Uh, but, you know, the, the night out could be a couple of beers watching the Late Late Show on a Saturday night in those days. You know, so the the amount of disposable income that people had was, was very, very low. Um, whether people were happier, I don't know. Uh, there seemed to be less stress, <laughs> you know. Uh, the, that's a subjective thing, but it, I think the pressures are much greater today on people because of um, expectations.
0: Declan tells us what his happiest memory has been over the years.
1: I suppose getting married, yeah, uh, that was a huge thing for me. It, it changed my life, and uh, and I can say without being sort of uh, poor-faced about it, that I think I'm happier now than I was then. Uh, it was, was, I don't know what that is, is that where that comes from, but it is. I think that yeah, I think you'll grow more content. Perhaps I mean we're, we've been very lucky that we've we've survived. I mean a lot of marriages don't. Because of various pressures, we've been lucky and we've been very thankful for that.
0: This programme was made with the support of culture. For more information on this series, please visit nearfm.ie forward slash living archives. Living Archives is a growing collection. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please contact us at documentary at near.ie.